This is episode 15 in the Pressure Outdoors podcast, Essential Gear. This week's episode is brought to you by Sportsman Shield, a durable outdoor decal that makes thieves believe your trail camera has a GPS tracking device. Not only is it for your trail camera, now it's also for your tree stand. So go on their website, check them out, order you some stickers. When you do, before you check out, use coupon code UPOUTDOORS20 at checkout to save 20% on your order. Hunt more, worry less. Sportsman's Shield. Go give those guys a look. They're pretty cool. I've got some myself. I like them. So, uh, and I'm going to order some for those, those tree stands. I mean, you can't beat it for the price of just that little bit of extra security. You know, you put the no trespassing signs on your property. Why wouldn't you put it on your tree stand and your, and your trail camera? So, this week's episode, <clears throat> we're going to go over those essential items you want to carry with you to the woods, on the water, uh, and we're going to break it down into four tiers. We're going to talk hunting, we're going to talk fishing, we're going to talk safety and survival, and then we've got some honorable mentions that kind of fit into all categories um, or are usefully useless. So, that's right, usefully <laughs> useless, but we'll get there. So the first, until you need it. that's right, <laughs> well, yeah, essentially. So the first thing we're going to talk about, we're going to get into the, the hunting aspect of it. And uh, this is meant to cover all facets of the word and the sport of hunting, not just strictly talking about uh, like stand hunting as we know it here in the southeast, which which is fairly common. Yeah. But to cover that, to cover, you know, from that all the way to um, backpack hunting with the drop camp out west for elk and stuff like that. So the first thing on the list, and it's very light and extremely useful, is, is zip ties or cable ties or cable strips or zip strips. So many different whatever names for them. them. Yeah, whatever you want to call them. Uh, random things are handed in uh, pocket on the shirt ankle. Yeah. By the way, I love, I love these under pressure outdoors shirts with the pocket on them. Right. Yeah, I made, I did that on purpose. <laughs> I, I ensured when we had those, when we had those made, I, I told, uh, told those guys over there at the peacemakers that we wanted some shirts, but we wanted to make sure they had the front pocket. Yeah, I mean, it, it's always handy to have a shirt pocket. So zip ties are, are great because they're small, they're light. You can use them to make gear repairs. You can use them to, I've used zip ties to put a tag on an animal that I took. I've used them yeah. to fix gear. I've used them to hang trail cameras on trees because I lost the bungee cord. I've used them to blind hang blind material, fix blind holes material. in blind material. I mean, I you mean, name it, zipped tree limbs out of the way that I didn't necessarily want to cut. Uh, so, I mean, there, there's thousands of uses for them. If you can imagine it, you can about use zip ties for it. Yeah, it's, I mean, there's all sorts of uses for them. The other thing I always like to have in my, my bag hunting is a tangle of socks, man. That's a big thing, because wet feet will ruin a hunt oh, quick, yeah. fast, and in a hurry. Especially if it's cold. You're hunting out and deer hunting in the wintertime, and it's cold, and you get your feet wet. Man. You know, I was going to say not only that, but if you're covering a lot of ground before you get into a spot, whether oh. whether it's going to be where you're going to sit in your stand location or where you're going to sit in glass there for a long period of time, you can change your socks to get rid of that sweat yeah. and have warmer feet. 
Oh yeah, I mean it. Well, I mean you know both of us have been in the army, and it was that was one thing that was always you know change your socks. So if you're if you're hunting somewhere and you're doing a lot of walking, a change of socks is almost necessary. Well, you got to take care of your feet because you're never going to get to where you need to be to make that shot without them. Especially if that's well, if that's what you're used to is your mode of transportation. Uh, then you're not going to get there without your feet. Yeah. You know. I mean, change of socks is nice. And, um, I mean, in a pinch, you can use them to filter some water, get rocks and sand and some sand. You may not get all of it out of your socks. Large particles. Yeah, large particles. But, uh, I mean, you can get all sorts of things. Socks are just handy. Um, the other thing's a knife. Now, you know, and, I, and not something that immediately crossed my mind to have in my bag was a knife. Although I do carry a knife in my bag. Yeah. Uh, and I think it wasn't something that first popped into my mind because of the people that I sourced this to, um, it didn't come up because those people, you and I included, carry a pocket knife every single day. And it literally takes more, I have to put in more thought into leaving my knife behind than I do in taking it with me. Yeah. Uh, but we're not referring to a pocket knife when we say a knife. It's, it's more of a, a fixed blade, general purpose yeah. camp um, knife. I, I carry a, a, a fixed blade, a bitch made. I mean, it's all a, 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 a knife to me, and I know we're all about a budget, but a knife, and a, knife, a good knife doesn't necessarily have to be crazy expensive. I mean, like I said, I carry a Benchmade, and it wasn't cheap by any means, but it's a good knife. It holds an edge. I mean, I, I can't complain about it, and I've sent it back to them to have them fix it and resharpen it before. Cold Steel. Knife. Cold Steel makes a great knife for a budget. Yes. And uh, Cold Steel is pretty reasonable on you can't You can't beat for a knife, for a great fixed blade knife, for a little bit of money. You can't beat the old buck knife. Oh, yeah. I got one in my pocket right now. No, I mean like the old fixed blade buck knife. Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah. those are nice. But I got a little... I mean, in the knife I have now is a buck. It's not the old fixed blade, but it's handy. And it's similar to the knife that I actually carried with me in Iraq. And that sucker cut fire hoses. I mean, cut fire hoses. So, uh, a compass and a map. Not only should you carry a compass... And a map, uh, you should learn how to read it, how to read a compass, how to read a map, have at least a basic understanding. Um, and if you if you don't feel like you need to know how to read a map, that's not important, or know how to read a compass, you can always remember that moss grows on the north side of outdoorsmen who didn't think knowing how to read a map was important. Because that, when it comes down to the point that you need to know how to read that map, it's too late to try and learn how to read that map. Oh yeah. Uh, and I don't always carry a map with me, you know, um, like where I, where we hunted last year, we had a small parcel that, if you headed due south, you hit a hard road. But I always had my compass because it was easy to get turned around in that in the yeah. thick woods. Especially in the dark, 
Oh, and yeah. I had it happen to me on that property mm-hmm. because some of that was really thick. But in the dark, it all looked exactly the same. Right. <laughs> yeah. Right. So you had that compass to get you back where you need to go. And I have been, um, there's been some times when I've been really lost in the woods. Really lost. Uh, compass comes in handy, don't I didn't have a compass. Ooh. Where's the sun? Well, I couldn't see the sun either. It was Ooh. cloudy. It, oh. it was it was all the mix of a, a bad, a bad, yeah. yeah. Um, so, but I knew that all I had to do to really find my way out was to pick a direction and walk, and not alter the course. Yeah. Because I had a hard road surrounding the entire block of woods that I was hunting in. Mm. I just didn't know how far I was going to be walking until I got to a hard road. Yeah. Luckily, I chose the right direction. And I came out about a half a mile away from where I parked my truck, so it wasn't too terrible. That's good. But it took me four hours to get there, so that was rough. Yeah, yeah. it was that's rough. A long, that's a long walk. You know, we hunt down here in Florida, you know, and I think pretty much in the southeast in general, this is probably, for me, one of the most handy things to have. That's a thermocell. Or, or bug spray. I mean, I would prefer thermocell. When you're duck hunting, you don't really need the thermocell per se. Bug spray will work in a pinch, but I mean, the thermocell is amazing, I think. Not really be a commercial for thermocell, but, but <laughs> it works. This is me 110% backing a product mm-hmm. that you pay about $20 for. Yeah. That is one of the most essential pieces of gear, especially down here in the south where mosquitoes are so bad, 70% to 70% or more of the year, uh, it would need the thermocell. I, I don't know how we hunted before thermocell. I don't either. It was, it, you know, and the guys that came before us and they did did not have a thermocell, I don't know, they had to do something. But that thing was awesome. So something else to think about uh, is binoculars. You don't always need binoculars. Uh, there's plenty of times I've hunted where I couldn't see but 40 yards. And binoculars wouldn't have done anything for me but add extra weight to what I was carrying. Yeah. Uh, and there's been plenty of instances where I've hunted where I could see a long ways, and I didn't need binoculars. Uh, not only is it is it safer to try and identify. Uh, your target with binoculars over your scope uh, because you're not pointing your gun at something that you don't know what it is. But if you're hunting uh, like white-tailed deer, for instance, or, or any kind of trophy game, um, and you have set a you're goal for to yourself. Particular. Right, you set a goal for yourself to harvest a more mature animal. Uh, it's a multi-step process to look through binoculars, identify an animal, and then decide not to shoot it or to shoot it than if you were to look through your scope have to physically lay crosshairs on that animal uh, then it's as easy as just flipping off a safety so it's easier to convince yourself to take a shot that you don't truly want to take Mm -hmm. at the same time oh yeah Uh, extra batteries man extra batteries they I mean like you're tree stand hunting uh, you go, you coming down, you go to check that camera and the battery's dead. You got some extra batteries for it. You know, batteries have your flashlight, you're walking to it from the stand and it's dark and 
you could flip on that flashlight and it's dead, you got some batteries for it, you know. It's nice to have batteries. I mean, I, I typically do carry extra batteries. It's, it's always nice to have, especially if you have a good flashlight. And a lot of times, good flashlight batteries don't last for long. No, they can, a, a, a bright flashlight can chew through some batteries. Yeah, easy. Um, in a in a scenario where you're backpacking into a camp, dropping camp, a small camp, a quality, small quality camp axe uh, can save you a lot of work and, and heartache in the camp, uh, cutting firewood and clearing spots to yeah. set a tent, things of that nature. Uh, that's generally something that wouldn't be carried through your day of hunting, uh, but can prove itself very useful in a backcountry camp setting. Well, I mean, even if you're tree stand hunting. Uh, and you have it in your bag. It's oh, that one limb's in the way. You might be able to cut it down. Well, I don't know about trying to swing an axe out of a tree stand. Well, That's just I mean, not a good idea. I'm, I'm not saying a big limb, but I mean, you kind of get. So it I, off, I got something. I got something in that in the honorable mentions. Well, I, pruning shears is what I carry. Yeah. For things of that nature, and I don't mean you know you can go to the hunting section of Walmart and you can find like little limb shears. And a lot of times they're made of plastic, which I don't. I never understood this. Um, the ones that they specifically market to hunting are are garbage. But if you go to the garden department and you look for pruning shears, they're generally made of metal. Yeah. For about the same price, if not cheaper. Not, that, that's not really understanding. So, I go to the garden department buy my pruning shears there. They last a whole lot longer. They're a lot more durable. And I use those to cut limbs that are about, you know, the size, about as big around as a quarter or smaller if I can reach them by hand. And I also carry a small handsaw if I need to get stuff out of the way. Um, uh, an extra box of ammo. Or the entire box of ammo that you use to load your gun. Not yeah. just the four or five rounds that fit in the magazine. Yeah. It's, that's just nice to have. I mean, uh, when I was uh, a little kid, the first time I'd ever shot at a deer, I'm climbing down out of the stand and walking where my grandfather was, and came across, walking down the road, came across the intersection, there was two bucks standing there. I only had four shots, and I was, had a bit of buck fever, you know, and that gun barrel was everywhere, and I shot four times and missed all four times. <laughs> but... And I wish I had that extra box of ammo with me, but and it didn't. So it's always nice to have. Not that I probably should have shot any more than four times, but <laughs> and a small magnifying glass. You you can find those about the size of a half dollar, uh, and you can use them to start a fire. Now, granted, they're easier to use in a flint, but you do need sunshine. Mm -hmm. um, they're easier to use in a flint because you can concentrate heat and hold it in one spot. So some of the things that are a little more tender that might be a little more difficult to light, something that's damp or something like that, yeah. you can use that heat to dry it out and get it lit. Um, and another thing that's really useful for, for lighting a fire is a small candle stub. Uh, if you can find one that's about as big around as a quarter, about three inches long, yeah. candles are easy to light. You, you can get that joker and it'll maintain that flame as long as you keep it out of the wind. Yeah. Uh, you can usually light a candle with one match, and then you can keep that candle lit in order to get a fire lit off of it. So. Yeah. We'll move on to fishing. Fishing. And 
um, pliers. I know we talked about pliers and not just pliers. Cause, I mean, you can use, I mean, like in, when I go fishing, I, whether I'm fishing from the bank or not, I have a pair of pliers. But also in a boat. And I think me and you convinced your little brother to finally get some tools, tools on his boat. And it's just handy to more than once if we just had one or two wrenches that might have got us out of the jam in that boat. Or, you know, just things like that. It, it comes in handy. Tools are just nice to have. Well, pliers go far beyond just making repairs. You oh, get yeah. out removing hooks, especially if you're carrying. When I say pliers, I'm thinking of something along the lines of like a multi-tool that's going to have pliers, that's going to have a flathead screwdriver, a Phillips head screwdriver, a knife, a saw, a file, well, all that have, stuff built yeah, into if it. If you're on your boat and you have that in your tool bag, maybe you should, to save room or save weight, you carry that instead of having screwdrivers too. Well, you, have, you, know, you think about it this way. Not every boat has a motor in a canoe. That's true. You don't need a bunch of tools in a canoe, but, but you there's might still need a multi-tool. Right, plenty, plenty of uses for a multi-tool. Um, so, a bucket with a lid. I had a bucket brought up to me. Yeah, gentleman said a bucket, and I said I can do one better than that. And I'll say a bucket with a lid because a bucket with a lid can be all sorts. Of a live well can be a bait bucket, can mm -hmm. be a cooler, can be your tackle box, can be a toilet if it has to be can use it to bail water out of a boat if you start taking on water mm -hmm. you can use it to collect fresh water in a survival situation it can be a seat be all sorts of things yeah you can use it for as a trash can trash can that way you don't you know your trash don't end up in the water yeah um duck hunting you're duck hunting on the boat you know there's your trash can yeah uh put birds in it there's all sorts of uses for a bucket as buckets just handy to have I mean it's awesome you know what uh, you talked about it, analog signaling device you know you can use uh, whether it be a flare an air horn there's all sorts of things that are cause a lot of places you have to have some sort of noise maker or so like your air horn or whistle Something like that, and you can use the signal with other boats or whatever. Any event of emergency. Yeah. Yeah. Nice to have. Um, so, if you're going to be out in a boat, this is not so much something you carry in your bag as much as a, a learn something you need to take the time to learn is, is how to read channel markers. Because uh, learning to read channel markers are going to make you a safer boater uh, and too many people die every year of boating accidents so it's it's something that's easy to learn to do uh, and it'll, it'll give you bolster your confidence in knowing where it's deep enough to really run your boat where you should be really cautious and again on that same hand is is carrying tide charts uh, if you print off tide charts or you can find them on your phone but I say print them off because the, the uh, batteries aren't going to die on that piece of paper and it's not going to run out of, out of signal uh, but tide it's charts simple to keep that dry you know plastic bag right and it doesn't dry um, so. 
tide charts are not only going to tell you when is a good time to fish because when the tide is coming in it's pushing in bait from deeper water up into shallower areas so you want to fish those shallow areas because that's where the bait is but when the tide's going out it's pulling all that bait out of the shallow areas back into the deeper channels so you start fishing those creek beds and stuff that are running through the that tidal water because that's the big fish are going to stay where the where the food is so you got to know where to find the food uh, but tide charts are also going to help you keep from getting stranded back somewhere you know if you know that at high tide your water is a foot deep somewhere and you can get in there in that foot of water and fish uh, but at low tide you could be sitting on mud uh, and if if there was water in there and there's water in there every day you ain't just gonna walk out of there out yeah. of that mud oh yeah that's gonna be gonna be a heck of a walk um, speaking of you know getting stranded one thing that will always stay in my boat is a paddle <laughs> a paddle is handy a paddle has a lot of uses oh, yeah. other than just paddling yourself water. back um, in the event that you were to to break an arm there's or breaking an extremity there's a splint right there right which you otherwise wouldn't have in the boat um uh, but we're gonna i know we're gonna talk about it a little more later but duct tape yeah but we'll, we'll we'll get into duct tape a little later uh the paddle is not always necessarily to get you all the way back to the boat ramp where you came from or your original destination or original departure location uh, but it could get you out to where it, it could get you out of the middle of the channel where you can work on your boat if, if that's where you broke down at so you're not impeding traffic um, it could get you back out towards the channel where you can be seen if you're in the backwater so you might be able to get some help there or it could get you over to shore so that you could get out of if you had impending inclement weather you could get off the water and get on shore somewhere um, but all that being said, it's also not a bad idea to carry a marine radio of some kind. Oh, yeah. So that if you are in a situation like that, you can call out on channel 16. Um, if you're in an emergency situation, you can get the help you need because Coast Guard is always monitoring channel 16. I know we've even uh, taken our little handhelds out, like yeah. freshwater and duck hunting and things. It's just. It's nice to have. I mean, you said you can get a hold of an emergency. Also, uh, you know, you can communicate with other boats. Yeah. Uh, that have radios. So. And uh, last but not least would be sunscreen. So nice. Sunscreen is one of those things you don't wish you had the first day, but you'll wish you really had it the second day you try to go fishing. Oh yeah. Because I've I've never really felt myself like. I've never felt the pain of a sunburn as I was receiving it. It was always after. The day after. Well, usually, uh, if, you know, if I'm out and I'm fishing all day or something and I didn't wear sunscreen, I usually don't know it until I get home or you get out of the sun. You get out of the sun, that's when you really start going, oh, no. Yeah, but I should have put sunscreen on. Anymore, it's, it's too easy. It's not, you don't have just that lather on sunscreen. You've got... It's as easy to put on sunscreen as it is to put on bug spray. Yeah. You know, so. And that's another thing that's just nice to throw in the boat. And if you have a dedicated thing of sunscreen. Put a can in your tackle box. Or in the tackle box, even, yeah. Yeah. Um, and not only, don't or, only do it for your comfort, do it for your health. Or that uh, handy-dandy bucket with a lid on it. 
what we talked about. That's what I said. Tackle box. <laughs> so now we're going to get into uh, safety and survival. Mm. So some of this stuff we've already covered, uh, but we'll talk about why. So specifically, the first one I got here on the list is an analog signaling device. Um, and you may think, oh, well, I'll be okay. I've got my cell phone. Well, your cell phone has a limited battery life and limited reception, and it's easy to get out when you're in. The it's very pinpointed, right? So you're not just like flashing a flashlight. I am taking that laser from 100 yards, and I am putting it on you. Mm -hmm. There's no denying that you know I see you. Yeah. And you I had. You can see where that laser is coming from. Yeah. Every time I would do that, I would shine that laser around. I'd walk it up and put it on them, and they'd just kind of stop, and they wave, and they turn around and go the other direction. I'm sorry if you're listening to this and you're one of the people I shined a laser on. I just want you to know I wasn't pointing a gun at you. It's just a laser pointer. <laughs> I don't know whether maybe that's why people were turning around, but it's just a laser pointer. Uh, but that was extremely effective. Yeah. And then it broke, and then I was sad because I didn't have my laser pointer anymore. <laughs> I tell you what, and I didn't buy it, but the, probably the funnest purchase I've ever had, laser-wise, was that, uh, dang, who makes that laser I got? I don't even remember now. It's a night, that night hunting laser I got. Yeah. God, that thing's nasty, because it'll, it'll go all the way down to a little tiny laser beam but then you can focus it out to where it's like a flashlight. And that thing, sun, that thing will shine for miles and miles and miles. So the trick to hunting public land is to, to go that extra mile, literally. The extra, the, the extra literal mile. Yeah, it's not going to kill you to walk that. No. What I would do is, you know, I'm... I, I drug a deer two and a half miles. And it was not a small deer. He dressed out at 220 pounds. And we drug it guts in out of the, out of the bottom where I shot it. It took three of us uh, four and a half hours to get that deer out of there. worth it very worth it that was one of the biggest bucks i've killed today yeah but i knew going into that spot that i was hunting where i was hunting to kill a big buck so i was extremely picky about what i shot down there i wasn't gonna shoot a doe unless it was a just a monster of a nanny yeah um because i'm not gonna pass up a big slick head no. That's a good, that's meat right there. That's that. That's me as a meat hunter. I'll shoot a big doe. Uh, but I don't, then over a little buck. But, um, and I've watched several really nice bucks, and there were some that in the moment I kicked myself in the ass for not shooting. Uh, but I'm glad I didn't, because I only had one buck tag. Yeah. For the season there. <clears throat> um. And I mean, I, I literally had one, a nice non-typical 11 point that came in to 30 yards, stood there, 
and I, I really contemplated shooting that deer, and I was like, nah, I'm not going to do it. And then he walked off, and I let him get about 70 yards, and I actually picked up my horns, and I rattled him back in to 40 yards. And I was like, I'm going to, I need to, I, and I was like, no, no, I'm not going to do it. And he turned around and went. He went towards my buddy, and I was hoping that he would see it and get to shoot him. Uh, but he must have turned somewhere in between the two of us. But had I shot that buck, I wouldn't have been able to kill that 13-point I killed three weeks later. Yeah. So. Dude, I've always learned that you, you know, in the moment you might kick yourself for it, but there's going to be some point down the road where you're like, I'm glad I didn't shoot that deer because either – you're gonna see it the next season, and it's gonna be bigger, or you're gonna have an opportunity on something better later. So I, we didn't really grow up exclusively hunting public land. Yeah. But, but when I started exclusively hunting public land later on in my life, I kind of approached it the same way I approached the la the, the leases we did hunt, and it worked. I killed deer um, sitting on the edge of edge of a food source, like a like a big agriculture field. <clears throat> I killed deer. I saw deer, but I wasn't seeing deer um, when I was killing deer. I was killing deer minutes before dark, yep. or that minutes before sunrise. You know, when I, that's when I was seeing deer either right after dark when it was just too dark to shoot is when I was seeing the majority of my deer and it dawned on me one day I was like I wonder what would happen if and I went to the same spot I'd been hunting but instead of hunting the edge of the field I walked about 800 yards into the hardwoods off of the field and I hunted there that afternoon and I had deer all over me at 3, 3.30, 4 o'clock in the afternoon Mm-hmm. And the only difference... they browse before they make it to the field. Well, they're coming in there and they're staging in that area in the safe zone before they walk out into the open. And they hang out in that in that buffer area before dark, waiting on the sun to yeah. go down. That goes right back to the, they don't get big being down. Right. Um, and I switched up my tactics to start doing that, and I started seeing way more deer and killing deer a lot easier and it was just a little bit further of a drag wasn't that bad uh, but you know it's if you pay attention to what's going on around you and I actually moved where I was hunting because from where I was hearing gunshots yeah I started killing deer. You know, going back to the we grew up kind of brings me back to the you may, you're going to see it next season even bigger. And hunting public land, you may not see that deer. Somebody may kill that deer. Right. That goes even to a lease. There may be a lease next door that's going to kill that deer. Well, we never, but, okay, so we did hunt a lease, but we never hunted a huge piece of property. Yeah. I mean, the lease that I had last year was 200 acres. Well, my lease now is 150. Yeah. And I hunted a lease in Tennessee, the most productive lease I've ever been on, 84 acres. 
but bringing like public land into perspective you may not be able to shoot that deer that you kind of kick yourself in the butt for but two years down the road you kill this just trophy what what you know trophies different to everybody but you kill what you would consider a trophy passing up that deer that would be smaller than your trophy two years ago makes killing that trophy that much sweeter to me yeah because well, it, you've just put in that much more effort or heart into what you have so what i like to do when i know i'm gonna pass on the deer right especially if it's if it's not like that deer 30 time right there at that right at sunrise right at around sunset if i got a deer come out either early in the afternoon or late in the morning and i know i'm not going to shoot it i like to test theories yeah right i i'm i wanted i wanted to know and i tell you one thing i did i had some of that tinks uh persimmon spray smells like persimmons Sound like i could about use that stuff as clone i did I, I didn't use it as like literally know, as clone know, yeah. but i used it as cover stand i sprayed it on myself yeah i wish they still made it so what i did is i had a doe and two yearlings come in on me they come uh come out of the bottom i was sitting up on the ridge line watching the bottom they come up the ridge um uh, from the bottom and then they started walking down the down the ridge line and i let them get about 60 yards and the wind shifted so i grabbed my persimmon spray and i sprayed it out on the wind so that it would carry it back down to them as soon as she got wind of that she stopped turned around and walked right back to me i did that three times i'd let her get 60 or 70 yards out and i'd hit the spray again she'd turn around and come right back that stuff works and you know how i know it works because i can't find it anywhere yeah <laughs> i got well, one can that, of it and i can't ever find it there anymore. was that persimmons what was the other one like sweet, sweet weed. weed yep golly smells like honeysuckle that stuff you know if, if i wasn't smart enough to know that it didn't taste like it smelled <laughs> but if you can find a, pers a wild persimmon tree you found a, a literal the oh, yeah. pot of gold at the end of the rainbow especially if you can and find it deep in the woods kind of hopping back on the etiquette thing you know if, if you're out there scouting and you see you know maybe somebody else's stand or sign that somebody else is gonna set a stand there just be the bigger person and, and move on scout somewhere else I'm going to say this. This is probably a very unpopular opinion. If you're going to go out on public land and you're going to put up a ladder stand and you're going to leave it there. Oh, no, I agree with this opinion. If you show up and somebody else is sitting in your tree stand, they beat you to it, then then so be it. Yeah. If you're going to leave it there. Yes. Yeah. Um, that doesn't give someone the right to steal your tree stand. And I would not be the one to go and sit in your tree stand. But I'm also not going to be the one to try and ruin your hunt if you sit in my tree stand. Now, I have left my climber on public land. I feel like a climber is a different story, though. It is and it isn't. Um, I've left my climber on a tree because, you know, I hunted there... Uh, Saturday afternoon and I know that I'm gonna come right back to it Sunday morning 
I don't see the point in carrying it out and yeah. carrying it back in. But what I would do to prevent that from happening is I would, one, I, I carried a bike lock, a cable lock yeah. in my climber. And I would cable lock the two pieces together tightly and then and cable lock it to the tree so that it was immobile. And two, I would take my seat because you don't want to sit in the climber without a seat. Yeah. Then it's a stander. <laughs> a, a quite literally a deer stand. Hey, listen now. I grew up hunting in them uh, worn in sweats where you could sit backwards. So don't think I can't get in a climber and sit on the gun rest and kick my feet up and <laughs> yeah. sit the opposite direction. That and some janky homemade ladder stands. And, yeah. And you know, budget-wise, leasing doesn't take a lot of money. Um, it can be extremely expensive because most of the time your lease is set at certain price for that property it's not set up this much per person i mean it can be if you get on a lease it's already existing right so i saw a lease um it was 97 acres in kentucky all hardwoods with some uh, agriculture that wasn't on the lease, but it was next to it. It was, I can't remember, so I guess it was four people on that 97 acres, which is can be a lot if you want to really break it down by acres, but at the same time, it's not. I hunted four yeah. people on that size, and... We never stepped on each other's toes, and it's it's nice to have that number to split the cost of the lease and split the cost of food plots. Yeah, but it came out to around six hundred dollars a person, which isn't bad for a full for a full year. That's, That's fifty dollars a month. Yeah. So I'm sure you could think of a hundred things you'd be willing to pay fifty dollars a month for. I mean, shoot, people pay fifty dollars a month to have them send you a box of. Uh, a box once a month full of dog candy toy, yeah. and or dog toys and stuff like that, you know. Yeah. So with a with a with touting it as a eighty dollar value, you know, people spend money on stuff like that. So you could you could afford to spend that yeah. on a lease. And you, honestly, if I was to pick up another lease, it would. I myself would not want to get on a pre-existing lease. I would attempt to find a piece of property. Unless it's pre-existing with people that I already know. Right. If it if it's not pre-existing with people I already know, I would attempt to find a vacant piece that's for lease and get people that I would want to hunt with to join my lease. Because then you have more, you have less, less of a chance of stepping on each other's toes. Right. But don't be afraid to join somebody's lease who you don't know. I mean, you can make... Oh, absolutely. You can make best lifelong, friend for life. Yeah, you lifelong know? friends. Uh, you just got to feel those people out. And yeah. there's always going to be somebody you don't get along with. That's just life. <laughs> we all work with somebody we don't get along with. I work with plenty of people I don't get along with. Uh, and But, you know, this is something we put up with. So, it is what it is. What else you got? We're coming around towards the end here. Any other last-minute etiquette tips you can think of? Jet skiers. 
jet skier. Slow down. Yeah. It just because you buy a jet ski that mean you have to be an asshole. No kidding. Like, I get. Let out the honorable mention. Um. One more thing. Do we talk about a saw? A small, like foldable saw. It may have been mentioned. I don't, I don't, I don't know if we mentioned that. But the folding saw—that's that's a handy thing to have in the in the tree stand. Tree stand. Or in the, camp. Yeah, camp. You can cut logs for firewood. If you have it in your bag, and you know, if you have one that's small enough and you can carry it in your bag, you can. It might make it a little easier to make a shelter. And I've watched. Um, guys that do bushcraft on YouTube and they carry a, a small camp axe and a uh, a folding saw yeah. and, and them guys they literally they take out pretty much whatever is on their back and they go in the woods and you know they'll be out there for maybe a weekend and all long period of time and they build their shelters they don't, most of the time they don't carry a tent some I've seen some of them where they did carry a tent and they used a saw to cut um, to cut logs to hold up their tent, you know, so and, and make them light enough and compact enough to have having the basic knowledge of having the outdoors. Oh, Absolutely. friends in the outdoors, great, especially like like me yeah. and you. It's it's great to get out there with your buddies and have a good time. I'll tell you what, too, I learned a lot about anatomy cleaning deer. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, you I, there was never a doubt in my mind coming up through high school and all that stuff what a kidney looked like yeah, yeah. I knew exactly what a kidney looked like <laughs> I knew what a, like. yeah I knew what a liver looked like I knew what a heart looked like I'd seen it all I'd held it all in my hand yeah, yeah. coming up through high school and they were talking about you're gonna have to dissect this and I'm, t- I'm like so right, you're telling me on. I'm just gonna have to skin it and gut like it. a deer yeah <laughs> I'm just gonna gut it <laughs> like we ain't doing nothing you want me we're to dissecting. this thing we ain't dissecting we're skinning this thing out I remember in uh, I say it was my sophomore <laughs> year in biology class. Yeah, we, uh, had to we dissect, did the pig. Had to dissect the, the pig. pig fetus. And the funny thing was, I don't know in my class, we had uh, the teacher would only give out one pair of gloves, and the people were scared to touch the thing with gloves on. And I'm like, it doesn't even have blood in it <laughs> anymore. Well, so my teacher was going over how to make the cuts and get the. Oh yeah, same thing. Back. I'm like. I'm over there just going to town. Had the whole head skinned out before she was done giving her. Yeah, oh yeah. Giving her lesson. It took me a little work to get the brain out. Yeah. I did that in a duck skull with an air compressor. Oh god, yeah. that was nasty. <laughs> that was that <laughs> was. And he didn't there. tell me this, so we had we made some European mounts out of duck skulls. I got a a, a wood duck one frozen in the freezer. I got to do, but I don't want to just do one. I'm waiting till next season. And we'd boil them in peroxide to, you know, skin them out and boil them in peroxide. peroxide water. And then uh, we're like, how are we going to get the brains out of here? You know, and thought about it for a while, couldn't figure it out. Well, I walked off and uh, I come back. He's like, I figured out how to get the brains out. I said, all right, how are you going to do that? He said, well, you just take the air compressor and you put it up here where the spine, the spinal column connected to the back of the head and you blow. And it comes right out the, where the, the, the optical nerve, the brains just blow out of there. I was like, oh, okay. I didn't think nothing about it. So I hit it, hit the air compressor, and it blew brains all over the front of my shirt. <laughs> <laughs> brains go everywhere. I mean, it cleans the skull out. Yeah, but, but duck brains, brains go, go everywhere. Brains go everywhere. 
Hell, unless you have one like your dad shot last year. Yeah, right in the head. He domed that sucker. So they wasn't no doing that for that one. What's your tip of the week? Oh man, I ain't thought about it. I completely forgot about tip of the week. You think you'd have it down fat by now? 20, you think I'd remember twenty episodes, yeah, twenty in. times, and I'd come up with one every week. Like, why don't y'all go first? Man, I ain't put much thought into it either. Now I gotta think about it. I was hoping <laughs> you'd come up with something. I'd just play off of yours. Oh well, since we're going fishing and we're taking a boat, um, charge your batteries. Make sure you got a good uh, charge battery, especially on your like trolling motor and your cranking batteries. I'll say this: don't be afraid to try something new. Yeah. In the outdoors, especially. Uh. You, you could be, and I knew I'd grow up, I, I grew up listening to what would now be referred to as old wives' tales. Oh, yeah. I think, well, people <laughs> might, especially, really have. I still believe age. in some of those old wives' tales. Yeah, I mean, sure, sure. Like bananas on the boat. Um, but I don't, I don't mess with it. Don't bring no bananas. Yeah, yeah you don't need any more bad luck than you already got with that boat. Yeah, my boat's been running good lately, all right? Let's not talk about it. You know. <laughs> but get out there try something different try to take that just a little bit different approach and i'll tell you this too if you're just starting out hunting you got one tree stand uh play the wind and don't sit in the sun yeah yeah i'm serious especially in the south well it's not even a heat aspect it's a blow well yeah you're literally highlighting yourself against the sunshine so Mm -hmm. use the shade to your advantage as far as heat a lot of camouflage to keep you anyway right when do we so, Jordan, what do you got? Oh, don't forget your uh, your flares at night. Oh, you're that's gonna have to go to Walmart and not have any flares. Spend an extra hour to. You know, we can't we need. can't seem to just have a let's load up the boat and go fishing trip. Yeah. No. Uh, twice I now. I feel like the, a, a fair amount of our trips are kind of last minute. Close to last minute, yeah. 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 But that probably has partial to do with it. It's possible. Yeah very possible but both of our trips have ended up at a with a stop at Walmart before we got to the boat ramp yeah the last two trips we've taken but we'll get there we'll get it done we'll have a good time hopefully we'll catch some fish tonight but if we do you'll know about it we'll put it up on the page we'll show you some pictures we're just gonna go out and cast at some dock lights see we'll we still have find. a good time yeah absolutely absolutely so until next week you know if you guys hop on there give us a good review if you like what you listen to if you don't let us know. That's that's up to you. Uh, but until next week, we'll talk to you guys later.